Homestyle Green, Episode 73. This week, I'm talking affordable housing and prefabrication with Damon Otto. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and this is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now, I spoke last week to a great guy called Damon Otto, and I'm very excited to bring you this interview this week. Now, Damon, he's a pretty busy guy. He, as I explained in the intro, is trained as an architect but has done mostly design management. He's currently the chair of Prefab NZ, and it was at a Prefab NZ event in Wellington recently where I bumped into Damon and we thought, hey, it'd be great to get him on the show. One of the big projects that we we talk about in the show is the Elam Hall, and I'll put up a link. Uh, This is the student accommodation uh, in Auckland. And just a very quickly background on that project. It was um, it's on the Stanley Construction website, and I'll put a link to that in the notes. But basically, the the unique thing about this was four hundred and sixty eight individual prefabricated modular units that were built in a factory and then basically slotted in together to create this student accommodation. So incredible project and incredible way of building a building like that um, off-site and then essentially delivering the components um, pre-made to site. And one of the questions that I posed to Damon was why are we not building houses more in that sort of that sort of style? Because there are a couple of things that I keep coming back to on this show, and one of them is prefabrication. And uh, one of the things that I have avoided talking about on the show uh, and, and on the notes and Facebook is, is affordability, partly because there's just so much going on around affordability and it's quite a lot of misunderstanding, I think, about that. But nevertheless, we dive into that in this episode. So check it out. Hope you enjoy uh, this conversation with Damon Otto. Hey, well, uh, Damon, thank you very much for joining us today. Now, you have quite a distinguished uh, lineup of projects that you're working on, having completed your Bachelor of Architecture First Class Honours at RMIT, but then pursued sort of design management and worked on some pretty exciting stuff, including the uh, the, the cloud down on, on Queen's Wharf, um, lots of projects uh, or Hobsonville Point School, which maybe we can talk about. Currently chair of Prefab NZ um, and doing consulting. I, I'm i not sure how you managed to, to fit all that in, looking through some of the stuff that you're involved in. Can you start, Damon, by telling us why you do what you do? Yeah, look, um Sometimes I wonder. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, I, I guess my, my overall concern is to do with affordable housing uh, and housing in general. And I think, um, I think the reason I'm really interested in that is because it's such a complex, complex problem to deal with. Yep. Uh, with, with many, many parts uh, to, to look at. I think there's also um, a real impact of of changing technologies and changing business models that that, that might be able to uh, affect that and help that out too. So I think 
I, I guess um, I'm, I'm looking at it from a um, not only a design standpoint, but but through the projects I've been involved with, uh, you work with people and you work with construction companies, you work with clients, you work with consultants. So trying to bring everybody along to um, uh, to try and solve that problem, um, it's just a compelling problem to try and work on. It, it certainly keeps me up at night and, and, and up in the morning. Why is it such a big problem in New Zealand? Well, uh, look, I think it's a it's a problem in, in in many places. I think in New Zealand, it's um it's a it, it's kind of like well, where do you start? I think I think the first place you probably start and you have to have to look at is is the land issue. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, land um, has uh, increased in value and become more and more scarce. And I really think that that is a a supply and demand issue, particularly in Auckland and so other other centres. Um, so I guess we're at a, um, as soon as you start to want to build or start to look at something like densification, you start uh, accruing costs to do with to do with the development of the land, yeah. whether that be a minor unit or whether you're starting from scratch. I think um, often that's a, it's a, it's a hurdle. I think also the, the pathway, we always look for, for what we call build paths or consent paths. We try and work out where we're going with something to get a building built. And simply with land, um, you just never know what you're going to get end up with um, having to do what it's going to cost you. And there are, you know, everyone's got a story about how much something costs them. Um, yeah. And just to, just to be able to start working with land. So, um, but given that we can't do much about land, or I, I certainly can't, I have to look at other ways of trying to affect the cost of of of, um, of buildings. Yeah. And um, and to me, that's a lot to do with our constraints and our business model. Is it just those factors? Because I, I, we were at the Sustainable Housing Summit uh, last week run by the, the, the New Zealand Green Building Council, and it was explained during that um, that is, there's the procurement and the building processes, which obviously we, we're still doing things that we, we did 100 years ago. Um, but there's this kind of drive from a developer's point of view where if they buy a piece of land for – 300,000, 400,000, whatever, then automatically they feel the need to put a house on that of at least equal value of the land because there's this kind of rule that the improvements to the land or the building itself should be about 50% of the total value. Is is that a problem as well? Yeah, it is. It is because um, the I think in, in terms of we, when we compare the two assets, the land is uh, is a I guess is almost a fixed asset. The the building that you put on top of it is is not so fixed. I mean, it, it, generally in our um, we we try and treat it as such. I mean, in terms of building consent, there's that classic tick the box of fifty years or, or some other life um, yeah lifespan. Uh, and and yeah, you're right. I think there's a there is a huge drive to try and maximize the the, the value of the land by putting as big as house or as most expensive house as possible on it. I really think. Perhaps another way of looking at that would, would be a staged approach, or, or, or actually building houses that aren't for necessarily mythical families or mythical units. You know, the <laughs> yeah. three. I mean, I, look, I can't talk. We've got three three boys, so. But but um, in terms of the you're, you're the mythical family. <laughs> we are. Yeah, exactly. But but not everyone is, and, and I think um, as long as we try and build these massive houses. All these all these typologies that really don't suit the land they go on for a for the next person who's going to buy that house, which which may or may not be a family. Um, it, it's a very 
very deeply rooted um, perception, and it's and it's very well. It's it's a very fixed perception, um, and I, I just think that I often think um, that look, you buy a four hundred thousand dollars section and, and build for two hundred, you're seeing on a on a kind of a winning combination there, but it just really really happens. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly not the the done thing from a developer's point of view. Well, it's kind of going to be like who's the bravest one to do that first, and 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 perhaps prove that point, and, and something I always try and look at is to try and lead the way. Um, to sort of see what would happen there, and I think. Tell us, I think, tell us about the Kaaba. Is, is that partly what that's trying to, to achieve? Yeah, well, it is. I think um, so. Kaaba to me um, is, I, I guess, my attempt to try and do something to provide a genuinely affordable, um, high quality house, and and the way we've done that is we've worked very much from our constraints. So we've we've kind of locked in. The constraints of, of building and work backwards from there, um, and that's that's the approach we we try and take all the time. What, what do you mean by that? What are what are the constraints that you've locked in? Well, the, the constraints. So the, the first one is that um, it's very it's a very limited palette. Um, there there is a there is a section size. There is a, a construction methodology, and that's very fixed. Uh-huh. So it's it's uh, if someone came to us looking for a flat roofed house in an L shape. Um, two-storied, we'd say, well, well, Carver isn't for you, but what we do kind of reserve the right is to develop develop a solution. Um, so I, I kind of like think about a multi-solution approach. Yeah. We don't try to make one thing do something it shouldn't. Um, so Carver is, is kind of a, like a, a business where we it's it's both a house and also, an, a, I guess, a business model. So ideally, we'd have a number of different um, house types um, uh, underneath the Carver brand. Um, and the, but the key thing is it's all about probably more about small houses and it's also about um, quickness, speed, prefabrication, but also high quality. So we're really trying to um, try and deal with a whole lot of factors there. And again, that's a, that's a really interesting problem to work on. But I think we're getting there with it. And by small, your, your micro is how big? Well, um, so the, the the house that we um, that, that we're dealing with with Carver is called the Axel House, uh, and the section size by by that I mean the, the floor plan the floor plan section is, is based on a one point two module and has a, a a width or a depth of four point eight or six meters. So it's kind of like a it's what we call an extrusion model. So it's can can kind of be as long as you want. Um, so anything from nineteen up to eighty square meters. Having said that. Um, in our early adopters project we're working on at the moment, um, both houses are about one's 140, one's 150. Um, but though the, both of those are four bedroom houses with um, uh, making use of loft spaces, they're they're quite efficient for what they are. They're certainly not anywhere near like a 200 or 220 square meter house. Right, right. But I, I quite like that idea of an extrusion. So it's uh, it starts short, and you just add what sections of 1.2 meters. Long yep. onto it, exactly right. And the the other thing about it is is what's driving the that section is the fact that I've got a real passion for um, waste minimization. So in order to minimize waste, the first thing you do is you don't cut materials. So in the in in a in a, in a panelized environment, a factory environment, there's very little cutting, and certainly when you get to site, there's no cutting. So it, it's it's um it's very rigorous. Um, uh, rational um, uh, 
prefabrication system. Yep. But it has benefits of the fact that we're using everything we, we, we you know that we um, that we consume. There's, there's have you have you priced the production of the carbon? We've priced a prototype, and we're using this early adopter project to formulate a construction build price. So we've we've got a really good indication of where it's sitting. But now we're using actual, you know, real clients with real budgets on real sites. So mm-hmm. we have two houses in this project, one in Cambridge and one in Christchurch. Uh, so we're using those as um, our test cases, and we're we're working with a whole lot of partners on that as well, which is fantastic because um, I've never found it hard to work with people who are interested in, in trying to work on this problem. Yeah. Um, so there's always really good support, which is fantastic. So we're working with QSs, um, product suppliers. Um, Consultants, designers, um, to and everyone's going to work on these these two projects, and right. and and we've got the buy-in of clients as well. So the first thing we say to our clients is, look, there's no um, you know, showroom involved in this process. It's um, there's a little bit of risk involved, but you'll get a lot of attention. Yeah, your, <laughs> your house yeah. is going to be the showroom. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> Do you have a target uh, price per square meter? Yeah, the target is sixteen hundred to eighteen hundred a square meter. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit more flexible on that than I was. Um, the main reason for that is I was lucky enough um, with uh, to be a part of a tour last year to Germany and Austria um, through Prefab NZ, uh-huh. uh, and we had a look at the um, the Bavarian um, uh, Prefab manufacturing base, and and the one thing that just came back from that and really hammered home was quality. So. I feel like I can sacrifice uh, a bit of cost for quality, and I think that's the right way to go. Um, and and it's certainly something that we'll try and contrast off from the from the from the rest of the market. Yeah, because that that price is incredibly cheap. I mean, that's what um, some larger group builders may achieve at a cost price, but for a far different beast, really. Because it, you know, it's it's quite as as a um, I think it was Dan Hayward, uh, Hayworth from Box Living, who was on a few episodes ago, said it's quite easy to build a big house. It's much harder to build or to design a small house um, which does what it, you want it to do uh, and, and to do it well. So to build a small house at that sort of price per square metre and to a high level of quality is actually, that's, that's, a, that's a really good price. Well, I, I think look, our, we want to back up that that claim with actual built work. So sure. I, I kind of almost reserve the right that that may change. But yeah. it, it comes it comes back to that kind of working from your constraints backwards, and and everyone talks about the affordable price being between sixteen hundred eighteen dollars a square meter. But in the market, you'll hear anything from twelve hundred to twenty two hundred. Yeah, uh, and with with various. Um, Conditions, tags, and clarifications. So, I, I, look, I think what we want to do is one, and I think that's the beauty of of, of what we've experienced working with um, prefabricated projects is the client actually gets a very good indication of a what the project is going to look like and b what it's going to cost from from early on, and, and so we try and try and be transparent as transparent about that as possible. Um, and look, it's it's a work in progress. I think what we're trying to do here is is the design is sort of sitting there and that's kind of like the, the almost like the easy part. It's really about the procurement and delivery. That's the difficult part. Right. Right. So that's uh early stage. So people should, um, 
uh, keep an eye on that. Now, you've got a sign-up form on your website, haven't you, if people want more information. Are you, are you looking for more more interest for that one, or do you want to get these first two kind of underway first? Look, I think potentially uh, the the reason we've grouped the two projects together is because um, we, we're hoping for some efficiencies out of that for, for our clients. Uh-huh. Um, but potentially if there was a third or a fourth, maybe. Uh, we haven't um, publicly marketed it. We've, we've simply just through word of mouth um, – um, you know, I think we're always interested in working with clients. At the end of the day, the clients who approach us who wanting houses, and I think of our client in Christchurch. Look, um, there is a real need there, and I yeah. uh, want to try and help them out. Um, so it's kind of conditional. I, I, I kind of say to, to to both our clients as well. Look, here's the process. As I mentioned before, it's not a it's not a um, a showroom and a guy rocks up in a ute with a with a brochure and a catalogue and everything's ready. You work, you're kind of working with us. So if someone's yeah. interested in doing that, we can we can look at that. But I really want to focus on these two houses first. But but they're both um, programmed to be built um, in the third fourth quarter of this year. Cool. So we should look out for those. Mm. Hey, now you were involved with Elam Hall Student Accommodation at University of Auckland, which if people haven't seen, they should def- definitely check out. I'll put some links to that. But that was uh, was it two hundred? How many how many apartments was it? Uh, there was four hundred and sixty eight modules. Four hundred and sixty eight, and and these were made in a factory and then delivered to site and basically um, slotted in. Yes. Uh, together, amazing project, the first for New Zealand. Yes. That uh, was, would that be fair to say that's kind of influenced some of the work that you're doing now? Yeah. Look. I, so my involvement with that project was very much at the front end. So mm-hmm. the, the it was an interesting um, procurement process. Again, the University of Auckland asked for a what they called a boot scheme, which is to build, operate, own, and transfer, kind of like a, a bit of a PPP scheme. Yep. Um, so there was a competitive process, and I was with uh, working with Hawkins at that time, and I was in the, was the bid team for that. Um, so my my role was really to. Um, uh, hire the designers um, and sort of look at the front end of that design yep. work, that bid process. Um, and then once we won that bid um, uh, through a negotiated contract, I, I worked on a little bit more on the handover to a more technical design manager as the, as the design went on. So I stepped out at that point, but I was there for the, the very front end, that conception and working with um, obviously standard construction, Gary Caulfield, um, and, and the Hawkins team and uh, Warren Amani um, and uh, Assemble and, and Alistair Kadnak through that early phase. Yeah. It was a, it was a great project. And, um, yeah, I, look, I, I guess I'd been working on prefab projects before that um, through um, Arkit, um run by Craig Chapman or founded by Craig Chapman. I can't take any credit for that system whatsoever, but um, I'd always been a supporter of Craig as in his work over in Melbourne. And, um, and so... I guess the work on prefab projects started probably or, or, or kind of getting interested in the in the idea was sort of 2006, 2007, 2008. Yeah. So you've been involved with ArtKit for eight years, um, plus your involvement with that uh, Elam Hall student accommodation. We haven't really seen anything of that scale uh, in the residential sector in New Zealand. Um, why is that? Why is it no one replicating that in the residential market? Uh, I think there's a couple of there's a couple of reasons. I think um, I think the procurement chain, like the people, the companies who can deliver, the, the builders who can del- deliver that kind of project, there are very few of them. 
Um, so it means that if you've got a limited pool of people that can build, then you've got limited competition and you've got higher prices. And, and arguably, um, there, there's potential for some maybe some more competition there. I think um, through Prefab NZ, we're certainly seeing people starting to set up um, in a way that can deliver scale. I think a standard construction is still there and, and it's still doing a great job. You've got um, people like eHomes, you've got um, NZ Panelize setting up at the end of this year. But you've also got companies out there that um, that um, are building right now that you would never know. Um, I think of a company up in, this, up in Whangarei and uh, down in Christchurch. There, there are pockets of companies out there, but they they, they do what they do and um, they're not set up to be these kind of generic or, or general prefabrication companies. Yep. So um, they've come from other industries? Well, they're, no, they're in housing. Um, uh, you think of uh, Philip Leather and Huntley. They're in housing. They produce houses. Um, even Keith Hay. I mean, look, Keith Hay have been around for a, for a number of years. Um, so there, there are out there, the companies out there, and, and it is growing. I think the perception is that you, the first thing you need to do to set up a prefab company or, or to be, become a manufacturer is you need a, a big, expensive machine from Germany or Sweden or, or England to start mm-hmm. setting up a factory um, like a factory line, and I, I certainly think that's probably not the case. There's there's definitely room for that, and it's definitely appropriate in some circumstances, but really um, when, again, going back to Germany, we saw people working with, you know, some overhead gantries and some pretty sophisticated sort of hand tools and turning out really high-quality product. I think of Arket, um, you know, the, the most sophisticated piece of equipment there would probably be your um, standard... Um, um, hammer drills and and, uh, and nail guns and, and everything's done through very high uh, through a, a jig table, um, right? And and almost like normal practice. So you don't need the uh, a high degree of capital to do prefabrication in, in this country. What you do need is probably you need a warehouse, but there are several of those around. Yeah, we've got a few of those. <laughs> yeah, and and look, and in terms of where they are doesn't really matter to a degree um i just think you just probably need the commitment and also people just need the um the assurance that the work will follow and i think it will particularly in this market yeah what uh what excites you most about what you're all the various things that you're doing at the moment damon the fact that um we might be able to contribute to a solution um it's certainly not going to provide um, the solution, but but it's but I think um, being part of giving people a, a chance, uh, basically a contrasting um, option in terms of their housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's very exciting to work on prefabrication projects because it's a very different process. It's very much about the, getting everything ready at the front end. It's very much about collaboration. Um, it steers away from your traditional um, you know, design and tender kind of option. I think the other thing that is really exciting is it's actually quick. It's fast, and and I think we need to build fast. Yep. I think the other thing about it is what I often talk about with people is the fact that you can actually create some IP around some of the things you do, and that IP has some value. Um, so I kind of see it as a bit of a business model change as well. Um, and coming from an architecture background, you know the traditional architecture business model is a is a is a time and margin model. Yep. 
I think there's a lot of opportunity for architects and designers uh, and and manufacturers and builders to actually get involved with something um, and to create a new business model. I think it's inevitable that uh, we'll change the way that we the things we do, and you just have to look at any any example from technology over the last 10, 15, 20 years to realize that it's inevitable that change will, change will come. So, yeah, um, and, and I... I um... I share that sort of sense of anticipation almost. I think there, there's a lot that is about to change, you know, particularly in that prefab um, arena. Uh, I've had a few people talk to me and mention systems that they're thinking of uh, or, they, or even are in, in play at the moment. So I think it's, uh, it's exciting times. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, I look, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a, a frontier industry in my mind. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's an exciting place to be in. I think some of the projects we've worked on are exciting projects. Yeah. Hey, uh, we are quickly running out of time, Damon, but uh, obviously loads of stuff that we, we could carry on talking about. Um, very quickly, do you think there's a, a problem with the name prefab in New Zealand? Is there a, is there a, a misconception about the, the term? Well, it's hard to know because the first thing you talk about when you talk about prefab is you always hear about the misconception of prefab, but it's, it's the it's the first response people talk about. And if I you know if I had twenty dollars for every time someone said I think of um, our old classrooms, I'd I'd, um, I'd have a fair bit of money. Yeah, I, it, it's hard to know because when I get approached by potential clients, they're interested in prefab. They actually want a prefab project. Yep. Um, and I think as a as a term, I think it's um, I think look with enough good projects, we'll turn that term around. Yeah. Uh, but there's always argument where to to start fresh or start new with something else. But look, nothing else really fits, um, and it's sort of is as um, as instant as as the term prefab. I mean, you're offsite, but that's a little bit more um, generic. Um, so look, I, I'm a, I'm a bit of I'm a bit torn here because I understand the misconceptions, but at the same time. That's what I get sort out to do. Yeah, and and you as chair and and with the work that Pam's doing, I think are, are successfully, like you say, people are coming now asking for that. You're obviously being successful in, in helping change that perception. David, have you got a, uh, a book recommendation for us? Yeah, um, you'll find me um, a bit of a geek at heart. Uh, so I, um, of course, I sort of look at architecture books and and websites, but um, um, my book recommendation is Anti-Fragility by Nassim Taleb. Nice. Um, and uh, it's, it's kind of my Bible. I think um, it, it's sort of when you read that book uh, in terms of when it talks about um, robustness, resilience, um, even redundancy, uh, generally in, in New Zealand and, and, and worldwide, we, when we design buildings, we think of efficient buildings. Yep. And, um, and we, we flay them to with a with a nice edge of, of, of the work they do. But I'm I'm actually a big fan of redundancy and building in some some additional things that normally shouldn't be there uh, or wouldn't be there. But but I kind of do a good job. Yeah. And, and sort of provide more than more than what they um um you know more of a whole. Um. So no, this I, I look I read it read it over Christmas a couple of years ago and I immediately read it straight after I finished it. I thought it was phenomenal and. Been a big follower of uh, seem to live through the Black Swan and, and subsequent works as well. So that's my recommendation. Right now, where can people get in touch with you, uh, David, and, and some of the exciting projects that you're involved in? 
Uh, yeah, look, I've got a website which is dkotto.com. Um, on that, you'll see links to my uh, LinkedIn account, uh, my Pinterest account, uh, Twitter account. So, uh, look, best way is via email. Um, my number's on there as well. Um, so, I'm always interested in hearing from people who are interested in prefab, uh, whether it's through prefab and Z, Carver, Arkit, or for other, other prefab location projects. So, um, by all means, get in touch. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Matthew. Damon Otto there of dkotto.com. Head on over to homestylegreen.com slash 73 and I'll put up all of the links and projects that Damon mentioned there in the show notes, particularly his CABA project, art kit and analog structures, among others. And I'd love to get your thoughts. So leave a comment on the uh, the blog page or you can get in touch through Facebook, Twitter, um, or email me, matthew at homestylegreen.com. Love to hear your thoughts um, on this episode and others. And also, if you've got any questions, love to hear from you with those as well, whether it's something that you're working on at the moment or just something, uh, some thoughts and ideas about housing and how to make housing better, both here or, or maybe overseas as well. Don't forget, we also have the option of helping you out with your current project, if you do want to have a, your plans or your ideas looked at, then schedule a free 20-minute chat with me on Skype, and we can also maybe have a look at getting your sketch or your plan modelled for you so you can have a look and see what it might look like and even see how it might perform as well in terms of energy and performance. That's it from me. Thanks very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live. <laughs>